Hi guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's Not The Top 20 podcast betting show with me, Ali Maxwell, and on the line with me, George Ellick. Hi George, how are you doing? Yeah, very good. Very good, thank you. We're, um, we're going through the EFL slate and we're looking for value today, aren't we? Yes, happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh no, you didn't. <laughs> happy Valentine's Day to you and to all listeners as well. Guys, this podcast uh, the betting show is for over 18s only please do gamble responsibly uh, we had a, a pretty miserable week last week george your Easy. your cambridge united pick was wonderful uh, a small ray of sunshine in an otherwise stormy weekend and it looks I like think that's that's very harsh i think you can't say we had a miserable week when you land like a nine to one winner puts us yeah. in the profit for the weekend even with all the other losers you're just focusing on yourself here Ali. That is selfish of me, Play isn't it? for the team. Okay. Jesus. All right. Okay, fine. Well, um, I mean, it was mainly so that I could say it was a stormy weekend. And then I was going to segue into the fact that this weekend, George, if anything, looking even more stormy. Storm Dennis on the way, which we're all excited about. Yeah, and it was good after telling you that it was definitely uh, Kiara. Uh, it was nice to hear it was actually Kira. So Yeah, well done. In, in future, when you don't know something... Don't make a tit of yourself by saying that you do. Okay. Well, I mean, we've got about 20 minutes of talking about things, predictions that we think might happen this weekend. So that's, uh, you've already laid down a marker for yourself there. Don't well, but talk. That's, but that's, but that's, like, that's one of the key things about betting as well. If someone tells you that a horse will win or a bet will win, then don't listen to them because they don't know what they're talking about. Okay, so, well, right, okay. This is a great way to tee up your nap, George, your best bet ahead of the weekend in the EFL. Where are you going? So Salford City will beat Stevenage. That's my nap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Salford to, to beat them is my, my best bet at 6-5. to five. Um, That's with Coral and Sporting Bet, uh, best price. I'm, I mean, it's one of those where it's almost a bit putting off um, because I just would have assumed that Salford would, would, wouldn't just be odds-on, but would be heavily odds-on to win this one. Or off-putting, and, even. Yeah, because it's just it's so out of line with, with where I'd have... I, I, from what I can see, all of the evidence would suggest that Salford are the, you know, aren't just the most likely winners here, but are more likely to win than not, which would mean they're odds-on. So I can't really work out why we're getting a bit of 6-5. to five. Salford's form is OK. Um, it was a disappointing defeat against Plymouth midweek, but no harm in that whatsoever. Plymouth are a very good side. And previous to that, they had they were unbeaten in six games, drawing three and winning three. Their away form is very good indeed. Uh, they have won three of their last five away games, uh, including a 4-1 win at Oldham and a 4-0 win at Cambridge and a 2-1 win against Forest Green as well. Last time out, they drew one all at Port Vale, who, are, as we know, are a strong side at home. Um and Salford are a side who, I mean, it's looking unlikely that they're going to get into the playoffs, but they are still are a team who will have aspirations to get close to it. And given at the moment they're on 41 points in 11th position, they're going to have to really get a wriggle on if that's going to be the case. Um, but they, you know, they're a side who are in decent form, who strengthened again in the in the January transfer window and are playing against the Stevenage side who are desperately poor. Um, they've lost their last six games in the league. Uh, they've only scored four goals in those six games. They, they've stopped their run of drawing matches nil-nil. But since that 4-0 win that they had at Cambridge, they've been absolutely desperate. They're currently seven points adrift at the bottom of the uh, of, of the League Two. They are going to be going back to the National League unless Wesley can either pull off a miracle or 
Macclesfield are um, docked so many points that it becomes a battle for that one relegation spot again. I, you know, it's 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 important not, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is that Stevenage at some point of this season are going to pick up points. They probably are going to win games. Um, but just in terms of pure price, I cannot work out why Salford wouldn't be odds on to win this game of football. They are infinitely stronger I mean, is it a case now? I mean, if, if you're looking at the league table, it's 11th place, 24. In my view, in their current guise and given their away form, Salford are far better than that uh, coming into this game, better than an, an 11th place side. So maybe that's something to do with it, although I think markets are more informed than just to be be looking at 11th versus 20, 24th and, and, and paying out a price. But yeah, I mean, I, I, can't, I don't really get it. Um, it's almost so perplexing to me that i'm a little bit scared but I, i've had a I've, I've had a decent bet and i think it's a good one ah it sounds to me like a just a kind valentine's day gift from the bookies to uh, to george um i'm, yeah. st- I'm staying in league two for my nap uh, as well probably no surprise we do find the championship very very difficult to call uh, that's for sure and i do think that there is uh, also a bit of value in cheltenham's price at home to leighton orient uh, 2.05 uh, is the best that I can find. I think that's with Bet Victor. Uh, Cheltenham are in seventh place, but the table is lying. Uh, now, this is uh, a good time to plug the Going Up, Going Down podcast that we do for The Athletic that was released yesterday afternoon. Uh, it's flying off the podcast shelves. And you had a pretty impressive rant uh, in the hot take section. Uh, about how the table does lie. So if you'd be interested about finding out why the table lies or you don't think the table does lie and you'd like to uh, listen to the reasons why George does, then uh, good to maybe listen to going up, going down. In the case of Cheltenham, it's quite straightforward. The table is lying because they've got uh, games in hand over the two teams above them, which means Cheltenham's points per game for the, the games that they've played is better than Colchester and Northampton above them. So in points per game, actually the fifth best team in the league, currently seventh in the table. Uh, And there's quite a few things to like about Cheltenham. Then They're obviously not the perfect team. Otherwise, they'd be challenging with your Swindons and your Crews and your Exeters and your Plymouths. But they could get there, definitely. Uh, They've got the best defensive record in the league, a formidable defence, in fact. They have conceded just 25 goals in 31 games. Uh, And in those 31 games, not just 10 clean sheets, but 17 times they've conceded one goal. We talked about zeros and ones on the Monday pod being quite important. Understanding that you can't just hang your hat on clean sheets because football is such a random sport. Uh, You know, you can concede goals quite by chance. You can concede amazing goals you can't do anything about. And so I think it's Kenny Jacket who often focuses on zeros and ones, you know, not getting two down if you concede one goal. You're probably always going to be in the game even so. So looking at that, again, the best record in the league, 27 out of 31 games, it's been a zero or a one for Cheltenham. So defensively, excellent. Their home form, decent as well. Eight wins in 14 at home. And they've been plundering goals at home away from home completely different story away from home they can barely score but they don't concede any Uh, at home they've got the best goals per game record in league two so clearly at the johnny rocks uh, they've got no problems hitting the target and um 
uh, well, another another sort of tick in the box for this one is that they've played seven home games against teams in the bottom half of League Two and they've won all seven. So Orient fit that bill. They're in 17th at the moment. Uh, they're on 38 points from 33 games, closer really to, you know, mid-table than they are to, to a relegation battle. So they're by no means a terrible team. Um, they've beaten Mansfield and Stevenage recently with a draw against Macclesfield in between that. I, I think that... Orient are a bottom half team, um, much better than a relegation battle, but not a huge amount uh, more than than the bottom half side. So given that they're heading to a Cheltenham team that I fancy both to plunder goals at home, uh, concede very few and fairly comfortable winning games at home, I think that the uh, 2.05 at this stage of the season where you often see home teams, there's a few in the championship sort of between 1.3 and 1.5, 1.3 and 1.6. I'm very happy with this. Uh, just a smidgen of odds against price for Cheltenham. So that's my best bet of the weekend. Next up for you, George Ellick. Next up for me is uh, in the Championship. You mentioned that we were avoiding them. My next two picks are both there. So um, (laughs) we're not not necessarily seeing from the same hymn sheet uh, in that occasion. But off to Hillsborough. Sheffield Wednesday fans won't be happy to hear them. I'm off to Hillsborough, even if it's just figuratively speaking, because last time I was there... It was a 5-0 defeat. And things, you know, that wasn't a flash in the pan, uh, it's fair to say. Sheffield Wednesday are, this Sheffield Wednesday season is basically Gary Monk's managerial career condensed into about eight weeks, where normally it takes a season for Gary Monk to come into a side, galvanise the fan base, get strikers scoring goals, get them up towards the top end of the table before an almighty collapse sees them sink without a trace. At Middlesbrough, he kind of missed out the first bit. At Sheffield Wednesday, they were arguably one of the best teams in the league for a time when he, when he kind of got Stephen Fletcher firing. Fletcher's uh, injury has certainly coincided with a dip in form and results have been really poor. Looking at their last kind of four results in the league, uh, they lost at Luton in midweek. They drew one all against Barnsley. We're lucky to get a point in that game. Drew nil at home to Millwall. Lost 2-1 against Wigan, who hadn't won a game in about 15 years. Um, and that game I spoke about, the 5-0. So since beating Leeds at Ellen Road, it's been absolutely desperate for them. And in their two home games in that time, they have lost... Uh, well, they haven't sorry, they haven't scored a goal in either. And they're playing against the Reading side, who I'm not particularly keen on. I think they're fine. Um, they've obviously got a couple of class players in Ajari and Swift to be spoken a lot about who on their day can kind of run the show against any side. Najaria in particular is really coming into the form in the second half of this season and it feels like he's about to properly break out. Uh, but the game in midweek was full of promise. They were kind of battered by West Brom in the first half. Again, no shame in that. But it was once they went 2-1 down, they caused West Brom some serious issues. And I'd say on the balance of play in the end, we're probably unlucky not to get a point from that game. Uh, Mark Bowen has them... It's starting to get them as that team that I think he wants. Very hard to play against. Not a team that is you're going to really enjoy coming up against. And given the toxicity, if that's a word, <laughs> uh, that's at, definitely a word. It's an excellent at, word. At uh, at Hillsborough at the moment. Um, uh, are you think... talking about George? A uh, video that we saw from Sheffield Wednesday fans in the away end at Kenilworth Road after that one nil defeat against Luton in midweek, singing, <laughs> "You're not fit." You're not fit. You're not fit to wear the shirt. It was. Uh, it, it was. Full, yeah. It was full of anger. Yeah, I mean, it's fair to say that they're not really enjoying this this run of form, and I think Reading are really relish coming into into Hillsborough and putting it up them. 
Um, so I, I, I think that Sheffield Wednesday are far too short here. An obvious concern is that Reading don't particularly like winning games of football. They haven't won in seven. Um, they've drawn four of those, though. Uh, and they've only been beaten by two goals by Millwall, a single goal against Bristol City and a single goal against West Brom. So it's probably going to be a low-scoring affair. There's probably not going to be much in it. I think that it would be unwise to put Sheffield Wednesday in your in your coupon this weekend. Um, I'm going to go for Reading, draw no bet. And also, I should mention as well, this isn't just a kind of flash-in-the-pan bad run for Sheffield Wednesday. The data side of things has dropped off a cliff in the last eight games they are 23rd uh, in the last four games. I think they're 22nd in the in the XG ratio table. So the performances alongside the results has fallen off a cliff. And it's hard to see any evidence or any reason why that should change on Saturday. So Reading, join a bet at 19 to 10 is my second best. OK, get this up, you. In the championship, Preston, 2.2 to win at home to Millwall. It's a big game that you previewed uh, from a non-punting perspective on the Going Up, Going Down podcast. Good. Available on all good podcast platforms. And uh, Preston are the sixth place team, a playoff team at the moment. They're in good form with six uh, games without defeat, four wins in that time. They've beaten... Uh, four teams in the bottom half, and then they've drawn with Swansea and Blackburn. Uh, they've got the best home record in the championship, Preston North End. 33 points from 16 games, 10 wins uh, in that time, three draws and three defeats. They are hosting a Millwall side, uh, 15th best away record in the division. They've never been a strong away side since they rejoined the championship two and a half years ago, 17 points uh, from their 16 games and uh, they're a side who after an amazing start you have to say under Gary Rowett are you know without potentially even blaming anyone here just drifting back towards what what you might consider their level uh, a sort of solid mid-table level rather than the playoff challenging form that we saw from them to start with uh, the, the form of their attack is is really what's most concerning I think they've been struggling to to create chances uh, for a few games now and uh, they've picked up two points from their last four league games they have had some tough fixtures and of course this one is another very tough fixture uh, Millwall's attack it's not so much an over-reliance on Jed Wallace as him just having sole custody of the attacking output um, of this side in the last three months he's had twice as many shots as anyone else he's also and this is probably more important I would say he's he's also their key creator in fact he's their only creator if you look at the last three months uh, in the championship his expected assists number is 5.44 which is the most in the championship the championship's most prolific creator uh, Jed Wallace in the last three months and the next best for Millwall uh, is 0.92, which is Ryan Woods. So uh, outside of Jed, there really isn't anyone creating chances for this team. He's also the most likely to have the shot at the end of the chance. So you can see that this is is probably not ideal in, in terms of posing a varied threat. At Preston, I think one of the, the notable things about North End is that you spoke about Forrest on the Going Up, Going Down pod having such a specific and accepted first eleven. Like, you can pretty much rattle off Forrest's first mm. eleven. You know that, ideally, they will all be playing because if one or two of them are missing, it makes a massive difference. There's a big drop-off, as we saw in midweek when they lost to Charlton. And it got me thinking about other teams like that. I think Preston fit the bill, really. Um, 
Scott Sinclair's only jo- only joined in January, of course. But I think if you include him in this, which which by you know, which looking at how many games he's starting on the left hand side, the quality that he has, you you would. And um, they really do have a very uh, obvious first eleven, Preston. And for large parts of this season, they haven't been able to, uh, to well to, to to put it out on the pitch because of injuries. But um, the midfield three of of Johnson, Pearson, and Brown back together and, and in good form. The, the back four of Fisher, Bauer, Davies and Hughes, uh, they've been really struggling with fullbacks, especially this season, thanks to injuries. Uh, and then Barkhazen and uh, Maguire and Sinclair as the front three. I think it's a very settled first eleven that, that's in good form at the moment. Uh, they seem to all have such a clear idea of their roles, both defensively, um, but also good enough to create uh, chances in games and uh, and seem level-headed, this Preston side. They do convert their chances at a very high rate. So I think this is a Preston home win. Uh, and at 2.2, I think it's a very pleasant price for me. So that's where I'm going for my next best, which leaves, George, your third selection. Yeah, the third selection here uh, is at Loftus Road, where I am backing Stoke to win away at QPR. They are 7-4 to four to do so. And QPR are a team who it feels like they've entered a bit of a kind of mid-to-end-of-season malaise. Uh, you'd think on 39 points, there is probably little chance of them getting relegated. You'd think that that would it would need probably both uh, Wigan and Luton to go on a real run uh, in order to, to get QPR looking over their shoulders. And with little to play for, having lost... Nicky Wells um, in the summer, sorry, in January as well. They've lost a key goal scorer. Jordan Hugel is not going to score the same amount of, of kind of penalty box goals as Wells did. Um, it's good to see that uh, despite QPR's poor form, Aberi Eze uh, is still performing at a high level. Unlike last season, his performance levels haven't really dipped, which is good to see because he's obviously such an important talent, talent for them. Um, but it's pretty hard to be positive about QPR at the moment. They seem to have forgotten how to win. Um, they're a side who created and scored so many chances um, in open play with Wells in the team. Without him, that seems to have gone. They've always been pretty porous at the back. That has still remained. Um, and it's not going to be an easy game, this. Their last few results, they drew away at Swansea in a pretty desperate game on, on Tuesday night. They lost uh, their last uh, three championship games before that, to uh, Huddersfield, Bristol City and Blackburn. They're coming up against the side in Stoke, who uh, are in a decent run of form. Who the market and kind of the still, you know, they're still basically one of the data darlings of the league, despite their twenty-first position at the moment. Um, they are projecting as a team much better than that. Um, they are certainly fighting for their lives still, despite the, the decent performance levels. They're currently just that one spot outside the relegation zone with Wigan on their coattails. So this is a massive, massive game for them. And they'll look at this knowing that if they can get a win here, they go two points behind QPR and catapult themselves a fair way up the table. So it's it's kind of a, a funny game where it's almost a bit of a relegation six-pointer, but in the sense of it's a relegation battle six-pointer. It's not as to who's going to go down. It's as to who's going to be uh, in that uh, in that area. Because if, if, if Stoke lose this, then QPR fire themselves out of it. Whereas if Stoke, if Stoke can get the win, then QPR come certainly into the into the reckoning. Uh, Stoke have got a decent record recently as well that I like of, of kind of reacting to defeats positively. Um, after the 4-0 loss against Derby, they came out and beat Charlton very, very convincingly 3-1. Looking further back, um, back at the turn of the year, they lost 1-0 at Fulham and then thrashed Huddersfield 5-2. Uh, 
And even when they lost to Stoke, they put in a decent performance at home to Millwall, but couldn't get that goal to win the game. So they're a side under Michael O'Neill who certainly don't rest on their laurels after going down. He's showing himself as a manager who can get an improved performance in the, in the wake of defeats as well. So uh, they are in the market, both 7-4, to four, basically, these two sides. So the market's saying that neither are more likely to win than the other. I think that's wrong. And Stoke will be the most likely or the more likely to come away with three points. Lovely job. Uh, last one of these for me is a... Uh, what a muggy double! I think it's probably the only really word you can use to classic describe you. it. It's classic me. Uh, last time I did it, it I did win it. So let's see how we go. It could, <laughs> could become a regular feature. Um, it, it's two teams with very short prices that I think will comfortably do the business in their games this weekend, but probably too short to merit putting a, a full a full pick, if you will. Uh, it's a six to four double. It's Fulham at home to Barnsley. And Swindon at home to Scunthorpe. Fulham uh, generally about 1.5 to beat Barnsley at home at Craven Cottage this weekend. Swindon a 1.67 best price, so very, very short. I've never had more faith in one striker causing two defenders more trouble than Alexander Mitrovic and the Barnsley central defensive pairing. Uh, they have had a tough few weeks, I think it's fair to say, Barnsley fans, because really, as the saying goes, it's the hope that kills you. And in December, they really did have a very good month. Three wins, three draws. Um, They were looking good under Struber. They were creating a lot of chances. They were scoring a lot of goals. And they were conceding fewer. I mean, there still weren't many clean sheets in that run, but it was more like conceding one a game rather than two or three. Um, But the goals have really dried up. Uh, They've scored just two goals in their last five league games. They've lost uh, five of their last seven, including four of their last five. And things are pretty grim. That home defeat against Birmingham uh, sent them to the bottom of the table. And I'm just so confident that Fulham are going to create plenty of opportunities. Um, I I do think Barnsley, you might remember the first day of the season, Barnsley gave Fulham uh, a real, well, a real welcome uh, welcome to the second tier. Uh, and welcome themselves back to the second tier with an amazing performance and a good win. Um, But I think Fulham are going to get their revenge here. Easy home win. Same for Swindon against Scunthorpe. Uh, This is a Mark O'Hare selection uh, on the Matchbook pod. And it's just, you know, 14 wins out of 17 Swindon against clubs outside the top 10. Um, They've won 11 of their 16 home league games, including eight of their last 11. So uh, it's a pretty straightforward one. Uh, Swindon have got basically all of their key men back, fit and firing. And I'm going to have them and Fulham as a lovely muggy double at uh, six to four. So looking forward to seeing how that one goes. What about a bonus bet, George? What we used to call the long shot. Going to the Kassam Stadium, which I actually won't be going to this weekend, but I am going there here. Um, for the first goal scorer market and I am selecting Storm Dennis to score first <laughs> at 7-1 to one, no goal scorer uh, you and I went to uh, Oxford against uh, Ipswich a few weeks ago during Storm someone else and, and it copped in a ridiculous game and anyone who hasn't been to the Kassam Stadium I'm pretty sure everyone knows this because the, it's the first thing anyone says whenever I tell them how I support but there is uh, one side is, is very much a fence. And behind the fence, there is very much nothing for quite a long way until you hit the bullpex. So we've given that there are two, the other end has two open corners. It's fair to say that when it's windy, uh, there's not much to stop it 
having quite a big effect on the game. Yeah. There's also um, said to be some pretty bad rain around a year's worth of rain in, in 24 hours or something like that. <laughs> uh, maybe even a decade's worth, I've heard. So, if I mean, the good thing about this one is it's if not, the game... It's not a year's worth of rain. It's, it's a decade, I it's, think. It's a month of rain in 24 hours. I know. Hours. Sense the tone, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm given, you know, the pitch very quickly got very boggy against Ipswich. Uh, the game was nearly called off during the first half. The good news is... That if it's called off or if it's postponed, you get your money back anyway. So this is one of those where if the, if the game is on, I'm pretty sure that it's going to be, um, yeah, not particularly welcoming conditions for either sets of, of, of players. And two defences that are solid. Uh, I, as I would say, you know, Oxford's one one blot uh, recently was that 4-0 away loss at Peterborough. I think that is a, a side who were coming out of the back of 120 minutes against Premier League team playing against in my opinion, the best iteration of a team we've seen so far this season. I think Posh right now, this current Posh side, is the best team in League One we've seen so far. Um, and so no surprise to see them dominate that game. At home, Oxford have been very strong for about a year now and, and don't concede many goals. Sunderland under Phil Parkinson barely concede at all. Um, the Portsmouth game, again, I think we can probably draw a bit of a line through that because they came up against a side who was so dominant at home. But except for that, they've kept, I think, four clean sheets in a row prior we saw them play out a nil-nil against the side in Doncaster, who are probably quite similar to Oxford in terms of performance levels. And yeah, the, the conditions are going to have a say. So I would say it's not going to be a um, great spectacle at the Kassam on Saturday, a nil-nil at 7-1. to one. Or I should say, first goal scorer, because um, you, you do get your uh, your own goals. And Rob Dickey scored one of them on Saturday, so maybe he'll... he'll uh, Sorry, on, on Tuesday, so maybe he'll get another one. So no goal scorer, seven to one, Oxford against Sunderland. Most likely own goal, I think, is a uh, a keeper at the fence end taking a goal kick and, uh, and back sort in. of turning around to maybe have a slurp of water or wipe his face with a towel. And turns out the balls just come straight back at him, courtesy of uh, our friend Storm Dennis. Uh, I've got a slightly different long shot this weekend. Don't get me wrong. I'm still punting Ihikwe to score first. I'll be doing that every week because it's going to happen soon. I think he's 28-1 to 1 this weekend. They're 1.35 or something ridiculous to beat Wimbledon. So 28-1. Uh, to 1. I'll definitely be backing Ihikwe first goal scorer. Um, but I've got a BTTS and win double in the championship. Uh, 17 0.75 is the price. Uh, and it's Brentford to win and both teams to score at St. Andrews, their game against Birmingham, and Cardiff uh, to win and both teams to score as well in their game. Uh, I think one of the things with Cardiff is that people don't quite realise is that they are really not a very good defensive team um, and probably a better attacking team than, than people realise as well. Their combined uh, XG, so their goal expectancy... Uh, is the second highest in division this season uh, behind QPR. And it kind of, you know, you can kind of, it kind of stacks up both of those teams. Certainly QPR, you're like, okay, decent attacking team, horrendous defensively. And Cardiff are kind of similar. Um, so I think, you know, high goal expectancy in that game. They are home to Wigan. Wigan's away form, as we know, has been pretty grotty for, well, for about, two years now, uh, certainly 18 months or so. So I think a Cardiff home win with BTTS is uh, is a decent shout. And same with, with Brentford. Um, I, I think they'll have enough to beat Birmingham. There's always a bit of needle uh, since 
Uh, Birmingham bought all of Brentford's players a few years ago. That's become quite a fun, more of an online rivalry, I think. But always great to see some really uh, distasteful stuff being exchanged between fans when they play against each other. Harley Dean, of course, and Maxime Collin will be playing for Birmingham. In fact, Harley Dean probably won't be playing, but Collin certainly will. Um, And, you know, Birmingham, just by adding Scott Hogan, have given themselves... So uh, just such a, a more varied threat than they had before going forward. Um, Djukovic is a player that we love. I think he's the type of player that can cause Brentford problems. I'm not sure if uh, Janssen's back for this one. Uh, Bellingham and Bella from out wide are are a threat as well. So I think BTTS and Brentford win. I quite fancied that as well. So Brentford and Cardiff, BTTS win double 17.75. That is my uh, bonus pick for the weekend. And George, you're going to be on BBC Radio 5 Live tomorrow. Not at a game, though. I mean, weather, you might, de- weather you, dependent. You weather might, dependent. Yeah, you might not be anywhere, depending on, on, on what Dennis has to say. Well, I think, I think if, uh, yeah, I, I think either way, from what, from what I'm, I'm gathering, I'll, I'll, I'll be on. But it's an extended, uh, extended edition of my Saturday Five Living, um, where I'm going to be in the studio. Uh, I'm on for five hours. So that's wow. going to be fun. Uh, you were very, very good um, on on Wednesday night. It must be said. I've had a message from someone at the BBC this morning telling me how good you are. So Stop the, it. So the pressure is 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 certainly on. You set the bar high. But yeah, five hours of me, five Mark Chapman, hours. and and a couple of others. So continuing please, to put the five in five live. <laughs> exactly. Uh, go easy on me if. Uh, by the end, my voice is a little bit, um, a little bit croaky. You're going to get so tired. <laughs> I'm, I'm already trying to work out when I eat. Oh, that what was, do I do? I had a big issue with that on Wednesday. I forgot to eat, and it was a seven till ten. I reckon about seven thirty. I started thinking. Tell you what, I think it, it's probably dinner yeah. time normally, isn't it? Um, well, I'm thinking about. I mean, it's nearly lunchtime now, and I might make myself one of those nice little pack ups. And take it up with me. Wow, that's very grown up. That is very grown up. Um, Guys, thank you for listening to this betting show. Best of luck if you're travelling to watch football tomorrow. It's uh, It might be fine on the way there, but I think the way back is going to be a bit of an issue. So please make sure you're abreast of, uh, of Storm Dennis and everything that he is bringing. Um, hope that any punts go well this weekend. Hope you've enjoyed listening to our selections uh, as ever. Uh, if you haven't listened to the Going Up, Going Down podcast uh, and you've still got a bit of time for pods, then uh, why not search that, subscribe and have a listen. We think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, that is available for free on all podcast platforms, going up, going down. Uh, we're on Sky Friday night tonight. Uh, they've got a really tasty looking game between Swansea and Hull. And we will be talking about the League One promotion battle from 10.15 to 10.30, just uh, really bringing a bit of energy to finish the show around 10.15. So join us then. Thank you so much for your support as ever. And we'll talk again on Monday with the Monday pod.